Welcome to the Not Sorry Art Podcast. I'm Sari Shrike, the artist and creator behind Not Sorry Art and Not Sorry Art School. I'm so excited to talk art and creativity with you. So grab a drink, grab a snack, and let's dive in. This episode of the Not Sorry Art Podcast is brought to you by Not Sorry Art School. Not Sorry Art School is my online art school I created two and a half years ago to supplement my workshop teaching when the pandemic hit. It became a really great resource where I could put all of my knowledge about representational painting into one space. We add one new section or demo every quarter to Not Sorry Art School, and you don't have to pay a membership fee. You pay one time, and then you get access to all of the past videos and all future videos. Not Sorry Art School has an online Facebook group where I have office hours every Monday, and I answer questions within the Not Sorry Art School Facebook group. And there's also a wonderful sense of community on there where people will share their paintings and get great consensual feedback. I'm really excited about Not Sorry Art School. So if you're interested, make sure to click the link and check out the about page to learn more about Not Sorry Art School. Hello, and welcome back to the Not Sorry Art Podcast. I'm Sari. Thanks for being here. Today is part one of a two-part series on AI art, and no, before you (laughs) click away from this episode, I'm not going to be going into the weeds of the impending doom that is digital art, not necessarily. To be fair, I think plenty of people have covered that, certainly better than I can cover it, but what I wanted to talk about was basically what we can learn from painters. I think painters in the wake of AI, things like ChatGPT and DALI, auto-generated art, I think one thing we can learn from painters specifically is how to still be relevant, still show up. What is the value of a craft when it has been replaced by something that does it for all intents and purposes better, quicker, cheaper, and more accurately than a human ever could? And if you don't know what I'm alluding to at this point, there is this big conversation around is painting dead? And a part of that discourse is rooted in the fact that with the invention and widespread use of photography, painting and illustrations and other forms of two-dimensional art sort of were dethroned as the primary way to document things. Think portraits think scenes from history if you can think of anything prior to like the 20th century it was usually an etching or an illustration or a painting it was dethroned and made to just be an art form and even with that there was sort of this race from the late 19th century into the 20th century of art sort of painting specifically sort of untethering itself from realism and of course it started with the impressionists and it became more and more abstract so the other half of the is painting dead conversation comes from it was a race to get to painting a a canvas just three blocky colors or one color you know the solid black or solid solid white canvas and at that point there was sort of this claim that everything that could be painted had been painted at that point and painting no longer needs to be a form of art. Obviously, you probably can guess where I'm coming from from that, but I wrote a blog a little over a year ago or about a year ago actually and it was about is painting dead and I gave sort of my thoughts on it and so we're going to go over a little bit of that in this episode, but mostly it's going to be sort of my take as someone who has worked in a field that's more or less been obsolete and antiquated if you're looking at it through a pure capitalistic lens. And what does it look like to grow and thrive, find community, sell your artwork when 
again, basically a, a handheld phone or certainly a camera could do your job just as good, if not better. And the reason I'm calling this a two-part episode is because next week I will be sitting down and having a conversation with Kiana Piroz, who is a Web3 developer and I have followed her for a while and I really appreciate her insight and her sort of nuanced, balanced approach to Web3 and what the future could hold. So before we sit down with her, I thought I would share a little bit of my insights. I think this is going to be a good episode if you are sort of curious about the future, but you find yourself not sure whether or not to sort of fear AI wholesale as like this end of the world sort of technology, but you're also not feeling like you want to embrace it entirely. So if you feel like you're looking for a bit of nuance maybe this could be a good conversation for you and yeah if that sounds interesting then let's just jump into the episode so I don't know if you guys remember this conversation but it feels like most people who've either been to art school or in a workshop or certainly if you've been on the internet for any expansive time especially the art side of the internet then you have heard the conversation around painting is dead is painting dead and I hadn't thought about it since I wrote this article but I have a a video on Facebook that has some traction and in the comment section there are a handful of men who are sort of debating about whether or not painting is dead one person sort of declared it under this post another man sort of challenged him and it was a back and forth and they both sort of ended up with the conclusion that yes painting is dead and at this point it has been demoted to craft and I for my sanity don't sort of jump into these conversations but it got me thinking about why is this like what is the point of declaring something that people still enjoy no longer useful and what does it say about our values kind of as a culture or society and more importantly I think it gets to what I think will be sort of the answer to a lot of these AI questions certainly on an ethical front maybe not in action but in theory and that is that there are some things that AI will never be able to do. I recently listened to a TikTok of my guest on this episode a while back Megan Collins she is a cultural anthropologist and studies generations and she shared a video and I will link it in the show notes that basically says that the skills that AI will never be able to replace is humility self-awareness creativity and empathy and I think this is really interesting because it it sounded familiar because it sounded like the blog post that I had written a while ago and Part of my argument for the blog post was that humans, even in all of their faults and flaws and shortcomings, especially compared to something like a photograph, or in this case, the computing ability of AI, humans will always have the ability to sort of fall short in style. And I think in a lot of ways, not to oversimplify humanity into a soundbite, because obviously I can't even attempt to do that, but I do think that part of being human is sort of messing up, falling short, not doing it right, having a challenge, wanting more, whatever you want to call it. And then our, our way that we sort of deal with that. And I think that that's where the beauty, that's where stories come from. That's where the most amazing, richest things in life comes from. And a computer could never do that. And in fact, whenever I teach painting, I usually get into this 
big long spiel either at the beginning of my workshops or I've certainly said it a lot in Not Sorry Art School where the style I teach says welcome mistakes let's let's do it let's mess up let's be a little bit wonky on our drawing let's be a little off on our color and then we'll go back and we'll refine and refine and if we are lucky the little bits of mistakes will come through and some of them will look perfect in a way that we could never have intentionally done and it's sort of this back and forth this mistake remedy messiness this this journey if you will maybe even I would call it humility and self-awareness that can come up in the creative process that makes a painting so much more compelling than if you uploaded your reference photo into an app and it sort of generated a oil painting-esque look now if you show it to strangers maybe they wouldn't be able to tell the difference but if you take the one that the human made and you tell the story and you talk about the process and you document the process and you tell who you are and why it matters then all of a sudden you have something even beyond the painting that represents a story that people can buy into. I've always known as a painter that when someone buys my work certainly it's about the work in and of itself. If the work isn't lovely in some capacity people aren't going to want to hang it on their wall or if it's not whatever the person's looking for. However, I've also known plenty of painters who make absolutely fantastic work and you know for one reason or another they don't want to talk about their work, they don't like to talk about their work and they'll just sort of share and certainly some people will resonate with it but I feel like there's a large untapped audience who don't know that they're inspired by their childhood growing up in a greenhouse or the reason why they paint like this is because they learned how to paint in this kind of atelier and they're combining it with a more contemporary style or you know whatever it is that makes that piece interesting without the story you are competing with a photograph a stock image you're you're competing with something that can simply document better than you ever could and before we jump into an argument over whether or not a painter even a realistic painter is necessarily doing something worse than a photo I, I don't love you know moralistic words like good bad worse better you know there's there's a time and a place for both and so the thing that sort of comes to mind is that with with a, a photograph versus a painting of let's say 17th 18th century royalty in Europe if you were looking at that I remember as a kid you know liking the portraits but it would vary pretty dramatically from from portrait to portrait and I would always wonder, did the person look different or was it artistic interpretation? And oh, what I would give for a really good photo of, of the person so that I could make the call what they looked like. And so even if there's objectively like a portrait that's, that's better than, than, the refer than a reference photo could, imagine you can you know, transport a camera back to whatever, that time period. I still think that when it comes to sort of the utilitarian function of technology, as much as people could make the argument that a human could do it better, if we're going off of capitalistic sort of standards of modern contemporary standards as far as doing a good job at something because of the way we value things, accuracy is always going to trump personal interpretation. And, you know, I think that that's just something to be aware of. So let's just jump into that blog real quick. I want to touch on each of the points I made. I believe I made four of them and sort of relay those points to maybe a bit of an insight that we can glean into what navigating AI looks like. And maybe in that conversation, my hope is that you can also glean 
something about yourself as a human, as a painter, no matter how skilled or unskilled or prolific or not prolific enough you feel in your practice. I'm hoping that by the end of this episode, you guys walk away with, I don't know, something to think about with AI, but also more security and the fact that because you're human, your art is amazing. Because you're exactly who you are, your art is amazing and that you don't have to be as worried about AI in the sense of like, taking over your art job. Now, I think there is a larger conversation around AI and what people are going to do when large swaths of the population lose their jobs to automation, but that is a, an entirely other conversation for another day that I feel very passionately about. But um, anyways, I want to keep this succinct and under 30 minutes, so let's hop into it. So the first point I have is the history. So one of the reasons why I love painting, why I selected painting over graphic design or any other kind of art form is because I love that by simply operating with oil paint on a canvas, I'm already operating on a stage that has a direct callback to all of the paintings of past. And when I think of painting in particular, especially in the Western tradition, because that's all I can really speak to, I think that it is a very direct through line if I want to evoke conversations around hierarchy and religion and even to some extent like colonization and other themes that were really largely at play in 16th, 17th, 18th century Europe. I I, I sort of think of paintings heyday more painting in the classical sort of oil painting sense you know the form of painting that closely is most closely resembles what I'm doing you know I I think of all of the things that were going on at that time and simply by my medium and my surface I'm already at a place where I can have a conversation with that in a way that stand-up comedy or contemporary installation artwork probably would have a harder time they would have to pick up another element in order to evoke that sense of history I've always really enjoyed that. I think one of the ways we can sort of synthesize the idea of history into what we can do and what we can tap into in the wake of AI, I would like to say that you could also call this tradition. And, you know, tradition is kind of a tricky thing in, you know, America in the 21st century. And what even is our tradition? What traditions do we want to stick with? And I certainly can't make those humongous moralistic calls for our culture, but I can say that I do think with AI, we're going to have to more intentionally start to piece out well, what is our tradition? What is our culture? Because so much of our culture right now is tied to work ethic and productivity and output. And when those things are completely outpaced and eclipsed by technology, what do we have left? What are, What is our history? What is our culture? And that's something I think humans will always tap into in a way that AI can't you know (laughs) another point that I had was the skill and this is probably what was top of mind for me if somebody especially in art school had asked me well why painting I I love the idea that you could put hours and hours and sort of get better at something and I always think of it in my mind as like sculpting right you know we all are these big rugged blocks of potential this big slab of marble or quartz or granite or something and you can sort of chip away over years and years and years and refine yourself into something of your own creation and I've always loved that I was a distance runner for a long time and I was I remember being very young 15 16 years old and being completely blown away by one day I could barely run a half mile on my first day of practice and by the end of a season I could run a 22 minute 5k and I just thought it was the craziest thing that 
you know, we sure we have potential and things that we're better at and aptitude and all those things, but who you become isn't completely up to chance. Now, there are humongous circumstances that can affect who you are. I'm not putting a blind eye up to that. But when it comes to something like your ability to paint or um, to some extent, maybe do athletic things or whatever it is, seeing, you know, communicate with people, build community, cook, whatever, you could over time become really excellent at your craft and whatever excellent looks like to you. And I've always been really sort of enticed by that. And I think one thing that's going to become a part of our conversation is just because AI can do this fast and quick and efficient and by all sort of measurable metrics better than a human is the effort at getting better at that skill. Do we do we want to lose that to AI? And I'm not saying that as like, I don't think we should do. I think, you know, a good example of it's okay to yield some things to AI is I remember being in school, teachers would say, well, you're not going to have a spell check in your pocket or you're not going to have a calculator in your pocket every day of your life. And of course, the ultimate of ultimate ironies is that we do, in fact, <laughs> most of most people in the United States are always pretty close to a calculator and a spell checker. And, you know, as a dyslexic person, it has been an absolute godsend. I don't have to sit down and try to cram spelling of all the basic words into my head in a way that feels terrible and unnatural or let's be honest what really would happen is that I just would not publish things if not for the ability to check the words that I, I struggle with if you want to know it's c and s sounds and then vowels they always trip me up anyways <laughs> so some things it may be worth sure know the basics know how to navigate in a pinch but maybe we do sort of yield some things. But I, I also think it might be important to keep sort of the torch of humanity lit and alive and going. You know, if some people who really enjoyed that kind of math kept kept it going, kept documenting it. Maybe to someone getting to where you basically function like a human computer is something that is really exciting and cool for them. And that's fine. But I think with AI, we're going to begin to have conversations around doing this sort of intentionally and where and what skills are worthy in having. And not for the sake of getting good at something, but I think with AI, we'll now have this sort of nuance of it's not important to get good at a skill simply to be the best at the skill, but what it's important to be good at a skill for other reasons. And I think that can be a really interesting conversation and something to sort of introspect and look at because... I knew when I first started painting, it was clear. I was never a protege. I was a pretty decent doodler, but like for, I was definitely the girl in math class who was doodling the picture of the eye or like the like slide swept bang with the eye peeking out. I mean, just like nothing to write home about, nothing spectacular. And I am very proud of where I am as a painter, but I've never, I would have never been, if, if the whole goal was every human become the best painter in the world, I would have maybe been middle of the pack. I just my skill is because I'm consistent and that's it and so for me it's a relief that it's not a huge collective societal goal to become the most accurate representational painter for every human on the planet because it's freed me up to want to become good at painting for other more nuanced more philanthropic softer personal reasons and I think there's a lot of beauty in that the next thing I bring up is the process and I think this is one of the more obvious things that computers will never be able to do in the same capacity and that is to sort of document an amazing process. I don't know about you guys but I will find myself on these d 
deep, dark, random parts of YouTube in the middle of the night. It's the only app I have on my phone. So sometimes at night I'll look at it in bed. I know that's bad sleep hygiene. I know, I know. But I will find myself watching people in the jungle build like an in-ground swimming pool. Or another place they end up on is somebody making soy tofu from scratch and the entire process and they don't use anything automated. It's all like hand ground meshed steamed in a fire oven like just like the most rugged sort of proto-human way of making things but it's amazing it's amazing to marvel at the craft of it and the start to finish and the time and the care and that's even just from a spectator um you know i see people who will do stuff with procreate or other apps like maybe illustrator or something And they'll get an effect, like a brushy effect, dry brush, and it'll be simply selecting a filter. And that's great. And that's, there's nothing wrong with that. Again, we're not using moralistic language in this case, but I know what the actual process is to that. And because of that, I like, and I can choose to stick to my process as opposed to selecting a brush and using it in a different app. And there will be people who prefer all different varieties of that. And that's great. You know, I think that's where the humanity of all of this will sort of factor in is like what do people want to see it's not is it the most efficient is this the best way of making this you know tofu or in-ground pool but is there a market is there an audience who wants to see that process and I can tell you as someone who's documented my art online for many many years now there absolutely is a market for people who want to see what color did you choose underneath how did you draw and not necessarily other artists who are wanting to emulate the process either people who have commented commented to me i've never wanted to pick up a paintbrush i am not good at it i don't care for it i love art i love watching your process and i think that that's a very hopeful optimistic spot for me in terms of ai and and things like that that there's something really sacred about doing it step by step and it doesn't mean that you know you can still make tofu in a factory and you can still do an in-ground swimming pool that's like factory made and delivered and all that and and, you know but I think the the thing that's going to happen and I'm probably sounding like a broken record is when we remove the pressure to do it quickly fast most efficiently with the least amount of labor and the least amount of cost you open up the possibility to find a process for the purpose of other things and I think that's interesting. And the last point I made in this blog is the physicality. And, you know, the way I sort of talk about this is it's that urge you get when you walk past a foggy window and you just want to stick your finger out and make a mark. Or when you go to the beach and you are walking and you pick up a stick and it's just at that perfect height where you can make squiggles in the sand. And people who don't consider themselves artists do this. It's just that human urge to mark make that we all have that when you look at those ancient paintings in Spain and France and South Africa and Australia, when you look at all of those paintings, you you have this connectedness that somebody wanted to make a print of their hand. They wanted to put a handprint on the wall and show that they're there. And I'm not trying to condense. I'm sure there was more meaning behind those those pieces of artwork that I'm just not understanding. But even if it was just handprint for the sake of handprint, there's something human inside of me, something creature-like that sees that and says, yes, I understand that urge. I understand that need for that physicality. And it's amazing. And to be honest with you, the physicality of painting was the tipping point. I went to school for both 
fine art and graphic design and graphic design is great I, I loved making a photograph you know putting it in photoshop playing with it I thought that was a really fun process but at the end of the day I couldn't stand being hunched over a computer I like to be sprawled out on a big canvas with paint on my fingers and you know smudging where I couldn't quite blend with a brush and scraping and scratching and mark making and I remember my painting professor said that you know some people paint like athletes and I, I totally resonate with that I'd like showing up and you know to kind of add another layer to this I think what's beautiful is that each one of us is totally different and um, the way we're going to hold a brush and move in space and mark make is going to be unique and I think of this example of um, I was in a figure drawing class in college and I had a there was a a student in there who had um, a trimmer so that her her hand shook unintentionally and she would press down really hard on the charcoal or the Conte crayon and her drawings looked like almost like they were cast in steel they had this like metallic quality because of all the shading and it was ever so slightly sort of shaky but in a way that was really beautiful I, I mean that so sincerely I still think about her artwork I wish I would have taken a picture of it if you know heads up if you're ever in college or in a workshop or something and you see someone's art and it blows you away ask permission take a picture squirrel it away somewhere because like I still think about that work and it wasn't a quote perfect line but it was unique to this artist in a way that reflected her physical nature of being a human and taking up space and moving differently than other people and I think that that Two gives us an opportunity for something that AI will never, ever be able to do. So I wanted to go back and circle around to the article that Megan brought up about the four things that will differentiate people, that will help people get ahead in the, a in the age of AI. And those are humility, curiosity, self-awareness, and empathy. And I, again, I think whenever I think about my favorite art or my favorite artists or my favorite writers or creatives or whatever, I find that the people who stand out already, even with, you know, art AI being a wonky hot mess that it is now, you know, even with people still having jobs as cashiers and all those things, I, I think that the things that make people stand out, even without the looming threat of of AI, it is people who have those skills. It, it is those skills. It's, it's artists who play to their humanity and their self-awareness and are curious that become engaging. And it's not just about the most efficient, quickest, fastest, lowest cost artists. Although those things in a capitalistic system can yield success, and I totally understand that. But I want to sort of encourage everyone to maybe think over how they can utilize those four skills in their creative practice and really speak to those things. It's just, it's just a, it's not like I'm saying that it's a perfect fix for everything, certainly not. But I've been thinking about it for the last week and I've really found some good insight into my own practice and, you know, ways that I want to show up and talk about my art that better reflects those qualities and I will also say that sort of thinking about those things those qualities that make humans so special is it's given me a bit of freedom my shoulders feel a little more relaxed and you know my goals around hitting certain numbers on social media or being consistent or you know all those things 
can kind of fade. And I, of course, I will always say that that comes with privilege. If you are struggling to get by, then of course you have to think about like the bottom line and the number in sales and all that stuff. And I want to always save space and, ref- and you know respect that that circumstance. But you know, I do think if you have the space within your practice to sort of consider those things, I think it's a worthy thing to to look at. And Anyways, I'm not going to ramble too much longer because I, I'm totally out of my, my depth when I'm talking about AI. It's why I wanted to interview someone who has a tremendous more amount of awareness around the subject than I do, but I've been curious about it. And yeah, I hope, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode, got some insight from it. I really appreciate you guys. I've gotten so much great feedback on the podcast and, you know, just know that I'm always thinking of ideas for episodes that you know help and make everyone feel a little more connected and and at ease it's a tough world and it can be hard to sort through and I've seen a lot of people say things about how AI is going to replace art and of course I don't think that that was ever going to be a tremendous threat you know but I do I do think it's something to consider and I think the people who sort of survive what what will probably end up being a pretty significant shift will be people who think a little bit more like like a painter or like a, a, a traditional artist in some capacity. So thank you again. Enjoy the rest of your week and tune in for next week's episode where we discuss a little more logistics and we will address more of the, you know, what does it look like? You know, how do we help working people in, in the wake of AI and, and getting to some of those issues? But anyways, I'm excited. I'll let you go. Thank you guys so much for being here happy creating. I also wanted to take a moment to encourage you to leave a review. Not only is this helpful and providing some insights into how the podcast is doing, but it also helps podcasts like mine that are in their first season and gaining some traction. It's incredibly helpful. And this week there was a five-star review. So I wanted to say a huge thank you to Emily Bird Art. That's at e-m-i-l-i-e-b-i-r-d dot a-r-t thank you so much for your review if you'd like to have your handle read off on next week's episode be sure to leave a review let me know how you are liking the podcast again it is incredibly helpful and i really really appreciate it